What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Middleton Technologies Maximo. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Hey everybody, hope you're all having a wonderful week so far. Um, hope you're out there earning uh, and doing doing great on whatever platforms you are choosing to work in the gig economy. There is a lot of stuff going on in the gig economy right now, you guys. The first thing I want to mention tonight though, um, or today, is that uh, this week you might have noticed that the podcast dropped late. So the podcast is going to drop um, this week. Well, it already dropped. You're listening to it. <laughs> but uh, next, the next week and the following week will also be at this same time. It's going to be um, 8 p.m. Eastern time that the podcast will drop this week, next week, and the following week. And then it will go back to the 7 a.m. audio podcast drop time. Just during this transition where I'm going to be having co-hosts and uh, the first couple co-hosts for the first two episodes of co-hosts are Lou and Mary, the Long Island Dash experience. And uh, yeah, we had so much fun that I'm going to bring them in and uh, they're going to help me get this kicked off. And then I'll go back to uh, doing the podcast on Monday, getting it all ready and setting a scheduled 7 a.m. drop, and we'll get it back on pattern with that. Also, this month, um, pretty much can be dropping a lot of podcasts that have been uh, kind of backfiled. You know, in the in the Jason Terry taught me a while ago that you know you always want some in the one or two in the back in case you get sick or something happens and. But sometimes I, I've done that and it was great advice, but sometimes you got to cl- do a clearinghouse and get get all those out there because they start becoming time sensitive a little bit. So you're going to see some roundtables and some other things coming out. So this month's just going to be plugging away at stuff. And then, um, and, you know, and then in three weeks from now, well, the last, actually, it'll be the last Monday of this month. I will have Dana Scott from Boston, a gig worker who has been part-time uh, gig work since 2014. He's done rideshare, he's done delivery, he's done some offshoots, and um, yeah, we're gonna. That'll be the normal um, 7 a.m. drop on Tuesday. So, um, just letting you guys know that just for the next couple of weeks, it's gonna be coming out late. Doesn't mean anything's changed, but there will also be a bunch of other podcasts dropping through the week. So there's just gonna be a lot of them. But the one that drops on Tuesday, the primary one that after this month, we will be going back to that model, maybe after June. June still has a couple of other plugins too. But then when it finally gets back to just the Tuesday podcast, it will be, as always, 7 a.m. scheduled on Tuesday morning on all platforms um, and pod players and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So you guys, um, 
I want to give some props and shout outs to Mr. Gary Middleton and Middleton Technologies. Uh, make sure you check out the Maximo app, maximoapp.com. And uh, I know that the driver utility helper, the Duh app, does really well on its own. And, uh, you know, Gary's all about me plugging the Maximo app, but since Duh is his too, I got to be plugging that one too. <laughs> I just got it because you guys, both the apps can filter everything you need. The DUH does uh, just DoorDash and it can, you know, you can set all the parameters you want. You know, how far do you want to go? How much do you want to make? Blah, 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 blah. And thousands of filters. Same thing with Maximo, only it's for Uber, Lyft, um, Grubhub, and Uber Eats. So, and the Maximo app, if you just want to check out one of his apps, but you're interested in the in the uh, DUH, Check out Maximo because that one you can get for 14 days for free first, and you can kind of see where the filter, how the filters are, and everything. And uh, yeah, um, so the other thing I want to talk to you guys about um, before we get into it is Display Ride. So mine came. I've you know you guys know I had two teeth pulled and I had COVID. Um, the COVID, I'm pretty much past. I'm just you know that lagging energy thing. Um, if you've had COVID, you know what I'm talking about coming out of it. But um, yeah, my teeth started acting up just a little bit again. But I think that I think I'm in the good. I think it's just it was. I think it was just um, like one side was a lot more painful than the other. So for whatever reason, I think it's just everything's getting situated in there. That's how I'm <laughs> thinking of it anyway. But if it continues, I'll obviously have to take a look at that. But um, yeah, I want to I want to talk to you guys about Display Ride. Um, so I was just talking about how I've been down and out, but I'm ready to get to it. And my Display Ride came in the mail a few days back, but I haven't been able to install it yet. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to get to uh, um, installing it either late, maybe this week, or um, if not, it for sure by the weekend. Uh, might even make a video about it. Uh, so you guys display ride. And if you go to the show notes, you will see a link to display ride. Um, again, you pay nothing for the camera and the service is $20 a month. If you click the link in the show notes, it will take you to the sign, uh, to the, um, sign up to get a, da a display ride cam. And then, uh, if you enter the promo code, Steve, you will save $5. So, um, you know, it it offers everything, you guys. And here's the kicker. I've told you before, Display Ride Camera, um, as long as you sign up for the monthly service, is free. So um, it's real-time uploading to the cloud. It's not SD card. Um, if somebody were to grab the camera and do something bad and rip it out and run like we've seen happening um, bo to both delivery and rideshare drivers, it won't matter because all the footage taken up to the point where they grab it and rip it and run will be available in the cloud. In fact, there's a button on there that you can pull the last three minutes just by pushing it and they will be sent to your phone. Otherwise, you can email DisplayRide and tell them any time period you want after the fact. But the emergency button to get three to get the last three minutes sent to your phone within 60 seconds is huge. If you're in an accident or anything, God forbid, you can push that button you can have it. You, you'll have it before the police arrive on the scene. So pretty amazing stuff. And the camera's free. So check it out. Um, yeah. Also, uh, I am in the midst of setting up my dumpling page, 
which is going to be very tied to my Patreon page, but we will talk about it on the podcast and on the YouTube channel and stuff too. Pretty excited about that. Um, and, uh, Curry guys, you know, to be signing up for Curry, you know, there's a wait list. So the sooner you get on it, the better, there's still the best paying gig out there. Um, you know, I have made a couple of days out of it, but I always say to you guys, you can't make a day off Curry. Now I have recently made two, but you can't, don't count on that, but get on the waiting list. Don't let the waiting list throw you off. Get on it. Uh, it's summer and it's last mile construction delivery services. And I'm even thinking about putting my ship link in uh, into the show notes, you guys, because you know that I don't, the thing I've done most are Uber and Lyft and I do not put them into my show notes because I only put in links that I use, that I love, that I believe in the company and that I think are the best things out there to make you money. And right now, and for a long time now, I have not... I would not want people going off a recommendation of mine, even though I'm not recommending it, just even the link in there to Uber and Lyft. Um, I, I, I don't want to have any association with somebody who gets, you know, isn't making enough money on delivery, so they try rideshare. Because I think that rideshare is a whole different animal, and the pay for it right now needs a lot of work. So um, I don't want to be recommending that to you guys, and uh, that's just what it is. So, uh, let's get into it. All right, so first and foremost, you guys know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's Wednesday. By the time you're listening to this, it might be Wednesday. <laughs> it might be Wednesday. Now, if it is Wednesday, or if it isn't, but if it is, or when it is, make sure you launch the Para app, update the Para app, launch the Para app, and uh, connect your Uber Eats, and guess what, guys? Connect your Uber too. Did I just say that? Did I just say connect your Uber too? Why would you connect your Uber? Hmm. Let me see. Let's let's talk about this real quick. So I want to tell you guys what's coming up in the para update tomorrow. So for Uber Eats, the features that will be included through Para are the address of where you're delivering to, the total mileage flagging feature for the restaurant and building but not for the not for a person not for the customer you'll get a dollar per mile and a total total drive time will appear in para that's for uber eats so what could we do what what could para be doing for uber well let's look for uber uber rideshare it's going to show the address total mileage dollar per mile total drive time, and pickup address. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's pretty much complete transparency. Boom! That's right. Um, you know, I, I love I love being connected and working with so many great people, uh, doing great things, and that's, you know, David Pickerell, of course, Gary Middleton, um, and just all the good companies out there like Moves Financial and Buckle and all these companies that are, really are good and trying to do good things for people. So um, that Param update, hopefully you caught it in time. Normally, if I would have dropped this podcast and it would have scheduled at 7 a.m. Um, Eastern time today and would have dropped, you guys would have all heard it today and you would have known it's coming. And if you know us at Para, sometimes things get released a few hours early. So really... By the time you hear this, even if it's still Tuesday, 
You might want to go check. Who knows? Who knows? It's not supposed to launch till Wednesday, but we'll see. Um, you know how it goes. But anyway, that's big news. That's big, 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 big news. So I want to move on here. Um, I thought this is a just a quick, interesting article before we really get in here. Um, Grubhub is offering free lunch to everyone in New York City. Well, that's crazy. So, uh, so Grub, uh, I'll, again, guys, I'm going to talk about, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven articles here today. All of them will be in the show notes and you can follow along because with some, I'm going to want to discuss next week with Lou and Mary. So I'll kind of give you like a little pieces of things, but um, yeah. But for on May 17th, Grubhub is offering free lunch to everyone in New York City and the surrounding areas. Though the extent of surrounding areas isn't laid out yet by them. So I, you know, who knows what that's going to mean. Um, so they are going to uh, give you $15 to order a lunch for yourself. So is it free? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, but you, you're you going to get a, basically a $15 coupon. Uh, you simply need to use the promo code free lunch. Now they have it all in caps, free lunch, all one word, um, between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern time on May 17th. Okay, guys, May 17th. Don't miss that mark. Um, and the code will get you a free lunch unless your order is over $15, in which case you will get $15 off your meal and you can pay the difference. Seems fair enough. That was a quick read. Let's move on. So, um, lots of things going on with Rideshare. That dip in the stop, stock market last week uh, really took a bite out of Uber, but or out of Lyft, but out of Uber too. And uh, so, is you know, there's an article um, out right now by Curbed that I'm gonna again. It'll be in the links because you guys should read it. Uh, it's absolutely it, the article title is called uber is ready to accept failure sort of so um there's some references to the super pumped showtime show and um you know some of the things uh travis travis kalanick did in the beginning um but then yesterday in real life not on the show a memo from the current ubi uber ceo uh dara uh uh <laughs> I'm not even going to try today, even though I know, but I'm going to say Derek Kay. Okay. Um, from Derek Kay, uh, it, they reference it as read like a super pumped script, uh, right down to the caps, go get it all in, uh, you know, all in caps. Uh, so here, the horse shit has caught up with the company, you know, uh, which has yet to turn a profit despite grand promises. It's clear that the market is experiencing a, uh, seismic shift and we need to be ready accordingly uh we will we will absolutely have to do more with less now this is this is from from dara you know so he's like i'm sure you guys have seen the other articles about he's expecting more out of their employees now you know people that leave uber don't really go out and get the super highest tech jobs these days i mean uber's taking on so many employees that unless you're up there at like CTO, CEO, and even then, 
what have you, you know, you better have a good track record of exactly what you've done over at Uber because they've never made any money. So, um, but I mean, working at Uber isn't really like a huge, um, it's going to land you any job in the tech field kind of thing. So the fact that they're going to like really tighten down the reins and, you know, make sure that, you know, people that they're only getting the best and that people, it's just, it's crazy to me because they need to instead start figuring out where to make some money, you know? Um, so, you know, it's, but you know, here's, here's like a piece out of, here's a piece out of the article that I don't like reading articles to you guys, but I will read pieces from time to time. So here's one. Um, but just because Uber hasn't made money doesn't mean it hasn't made an impact. Tens of billions of dollars, a great deal of it coming directly from Saudi oil interests have been funneled directly into closed door city hall meetings where Uber has delivered variations of horseshit speech of the horseshit speech to nudge American urban policy away from the investment in public transit. This was in fact a key of the, of the quote unquote bezel. So, um, as we know, you know, Uber was, is supposed to be ride share saving, um, emissions, uh, getting more people in the cars. Uber pool is a joke. Nobody wants it. Uh, the little tiny bits it saves you really has the driver driving all over anyway. So, I mean, when you really break it down, Uber pool was never designed to truly work. Um, I, in my opinion, you know, you need more of a, um, actual laid out path and not like on the fly, Hey, go grab this person too. That's two miles that way. Even though you're going now, like it needs to be, if you really want to do something like that, you need to logistically get it all centered you know, like a bus or something. It needs to have a route or something like that. And then people could still buy in or whatever. I'm not, I'm not even sure. Cause I kind of gave up on a lot of the joke stuff a long time ago. Um, you know, to, so there's another piece in here I'll read too. trying to ignore that, uh, geometry or perhaps distract from it has led to multiple Uber pivots over the years from lofty visions of flying car skyports, to a deadly detour into self-driving SUVs. But along the way, Uber has Uber seems to have forgotten uh, how its original promise might have actually helped solve urban transportation problems. With gas prices high, ride-sharing can help save that money, reduce emissions, same thing I was talking about, and tackle congestion all at the same time. Uh, anyway, you guys, I have the link up. It will it will be in the show, show notes here. And... Take some time with this one because we will probably come back to this next week. Um, this is part of me bringing on the co-hosts. I want to get some other people's opinions um, as I walk through some of this stuff for you. So there's another really interesting story out about Uber that also is following last week's plunge, which if you actually looked, um, whatever it was, Wednesday or whatever, that was like one of the worst stock days. I know this the worst one this year. But it was like one of the worst ones in a while. Um, Lyft took a serious bite, okay? But Uber, yes, everything took a bite. But Uber didn't take anywhere near the bite. But um, Uber shareholders voted voted yesterday. Now I don't have the information on the, on how this went, um, but they voted on a proposal that, if approved, 
uh, will compel the company to fully disclose its direct and indirect lobbying activities and expenditures. I don't know about you guys, but that's one of the most exciting sentences I've ever read. This is in TechCrunch. It will also be in the show notes. Um, again, awesome, because you know what? That right there, direct and indirect lobbying activities and expenditures is where a lot of us get lost. Like, How is Uber still up and running if they just lost $5.9 billion? And I mean, I'm not just talking about this uh, 2022 uh, quarter one stats. I'm talking about 20, 2009 to current. They've never made a profit and every quarter has been a problem. But this one we talked about a little last week, you know, with the, I don't even want to get into the excuses they had, but it's always been that. It's PR stunts, this, that, the other. But this actually interests me because if they can get this to pass, um, then we will actually finally see with full transparency where the lobbying money came from and what it really went to. So, you know, we know that a lot goes to marketing and onboarding and and, and it just seems like it's done in such a bad way. In fact, I had um, with Tom, I, I had a, I got a call from Tom Dalton, one of the senior correspondents at Business Insider yesterday. And we talked for like an hour about an article he's writing. And, um, and it's kind of in this same thing about, you know, how does rideshare move forward? How does it pay well enough to um, to bring drivers back? How do you incentivize these drivers to be happy? And we, we just went through so many things um, that I won't, again, I'm going to, this kind of, and the last one must save for next week to hopefully have a little more information on, but also be able to uh, discuss with Lou and Mary, because I think that even though they do food delivery, I just want to hear some other people's opinions. Um, but so the advocates of the proposal argue that such information is critical to understanding the sustainability of Uber's business model. I agree with that because, but not in terms of, okay, did, where these lobbyists, are they growing? This, that, the normal factors that you would look at in this kind of situation, what they're asking for would be to see the growth and development and all that kind of stuff. This is more of a, hand it over. We want to see everything that you've kicked under the rug now. And so, because if you've kicked too much under the rug, even from us, and it isn't sustainable, we need to know this now. So again, you know, they're, they're in bed with so many states and cities and all this. Um, but you know, I mean, we're going to see, there's lots of legislation coming down the pipe and, uh, we're just going to have to see. But this this discussion will be to be continued next week for sure. All right, guys. So one thing we always talk about is, is there a worthy advocate competitor for Uber and Lyft? Is there a possibility of somebody else entering the rideshare space and actually making it? Um, so I don't know. Do you guys remember Get Around? So there's been a few startup ride shares. Mostly they've been localized to certain cities. Um, in Austin, they've tried a couple. Um, in a couple other cities, we've seen a couple. And then we've seen some kind of um, off-brand ones like, you know, like um, 
ones to take kids to school and more of like a van format, but those usually flip upside down or grandparent ones and kind of minus the big ones, you know, it's, there's like two big ones. Um, there really aren't those kind of, of niche services yet, but just straight up ride share. Do you guys remember Get Around? Well, they were one of the ones still keeping it alive going into the pandemic. And um, people kind of forget about Get Around a little bit. And so, you know, while Get Around isn't as widespread as Uber and Lyft, obviously, um, the company has an opportunity as it expands into more countries and gets more people joining the car sharing movement. So um, what was it? In 2019, just prior to the pandemic, um, Get Around spent $300 million to acquire uh, Drivey. Uh, D-R-I-V-Y. If you guys don't know Drivey, that's a European thing, which is, um, you know, drive driving is a European car sharing platform like Uber and Lyft in Europe. Um, since the time of the deal, the network has grown, grown from 300 cities to over 850 cities across the U.S. and Europe. So get around since that acquisition went from 300 cities to 850, and that includes the entire pandemic period. So they're about to kind of make some waves here in the U.S. market as they really try and get some cars out there. So watch for Get Around in your area if you're a rideshare driver and obviously get signed up for it. I can't I can't talk much on the pay model. I looked. I can't find anything on how they pay different or whatever, but anything to to have another person in in the in the fight for rideshare here because it seems to be all Uber these days. I mean, there is some lift going on, but Uber ha- you know, Uber's in bed with every state, country, government, um, this, that, the other. They've, they've really laid so much groundwork that they've really, they've kind of got Lyft almost, I, I don't want to say defeated, but almost defeated. Um, we need a get around. We need another rideshare to step in. And even if it can't take on Uber, at least... Pl- pull away from some of Uber's um, user base and enough that it keeps get around up and running so that they can slowly it um, to scale advance the city growth across America because let's face it um, if anything happens to Lyft um, you know we're dealing with a monopoly and that's in this country and that's that's not a good thing it's not a place we want to be so um, watch for get around anyone. And then I don't know if you, <laughs> this one's local to me, you guys. Um, it did happen on May 3rd. Um, so it was a few days back, but I, <laughs> I do want to talk about it because I don't know. I find it very weird that this is even an option, but here's the, here's the, the headline. And again, everything will be in the show notes. You guys know that. Um, but Denver deputy fired after inmates smuggled drugs through Uber Eats delivery. <laughs> so a Denver Sheriff Department deputy has has been fired after admitting to allow two inmates to order Uber Eats in which they smuggled drugs into the facility. So um, Deputy Derek Peterson was fired on Friday after a lengthy investigation into whether or not he knew the two inmates, one charged with murder, were attempting to smart, smuggle drugs into the detention center. 
according to the department, um, determination of discipline document in the incidents, the two inmates recognized as TL and DW were able to smuggle drugs into the downtown Denver detention center through a connection at the food delivery service. They smuggled drugs believed to have been used by a third inmate who attempted suicide. The inmate did survive. Um, so, um, I don't, I, the, the article will be here, you guys, it goes on a little ways, first delivery, second delivery. So there's like more to this story. I guess my big point here is why on earth, even if you like, so, okay, when you're, when you're in jail, you can have commissary money, right? We're all familiar with that. People can give you money that you can spend there to get even just your daily needs like toothpaste, a toothbrush, things of that nature, all the way up to snack food or whatever. So that's called your commissary money. So I I am of the opinion, and we just had this discussion recently, that Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub are luxuries. Those are not necessities in life. Those are luxuries. To be able to order food out is a luxury. You know, if somebody spends $50 to feed them and their two kids um, Uber Eats for dinner, but they don't have groceries in the fridge, that is a luxury. And that was very wasted money because $50, even though inflation means you're not getting much at the store these days, $50 still goes a lot farther to get food than it does to pay for one single meal. So um, that said, I'm just wondering why such a luxury is available in prison. Um, But I will leave you guys to read this article. I am waiting for more to come out. Um, So, but I don't know. I don't know where else this might be going on. I would think that, you know, there's a little more security to um, just driving up to the prison to drop off Uber Eats deliveries. I don't know, man. This The whole thing sounds weird to me. Even if, even if there had, hadn't been drugs smuggled, it just seems weird that food is being delivered into the prison. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not sure that I understand why <laughs> and, um, you know, cause even if it's the one guard, there's other guards, there's cameras, all kinds of stuff. So there was obviously there's a, there's other people in on this as well. So, um, but let's, let's move on a little bit here. So, um, it looks like over in, um, the UK, it looks like, DoorDash and the Transport Workers Union, the TWU, have signed a first-of-its-kind agreement laying out key principles for workers and companies operating in the gig economy while backing the push for enforceable industry standards. Major gig companies, uh, major gig economy providers like DoorDash, Uber Eats, Deliveroo operate under an independent contractor mile where riders and drivers decide when, where, and how long they work. The flexibility comes at the expense of many entitlements handed to fully-fledged employees. We all know this. We all prefer to be, um, even with that said, we all prefer to be independent contractors. If you have had the time or you have not, um, make sure to see the documentary I recommended last week, The Gig Is Up. Um, I did say it was on... (laughs) I did say it was on uh, um, uh, the 
the YouTube um, key index finder app or whatever that you can purchase. It's not, it's under Tubi. I don't know if you guys know T-U-B-I, Tubi. It's like an app. It's like a free TV and movies. On there, you can watch it or you can rent it through iTunes or any of the other things you might rent through. But um, go watch it because it says we have 100, we've crossed 100 million gig workers in the world. And it says by 2025, we will have crossed 550 million gig workers in the world. So clearly, these kind of agreements are going to become more and more and more um, uh, apparent. And things are going to, uh, you know, elections are going to be affected by this. I mean, this is going to be, this is already such a big deal. And we have laid out on the podcast a few, a handful of times um, Prop 22, AB5, but we've also talked with Kim Cavan and others a few times about um, the PRO Act on a national level and what it would do to right-to-work states and how close this thing was to passing without most people even knowing it. I can't tell you the number of emails I've had on the PRO Act and all that kind of stuff saying, how was it so close to truly passing, but we didn't even know. And um, yeah, we will get to that kind of stuff uh as we watch the Massachusetts bill, because that's something we will be talking about a little bit next week too, um, along with some, you know, part of the co-host thing is that I'm going to want to tailor the show a little bit to my co-host. So to those guys, it'll be some delivery space next week for sure. But um, we do need to always be talking about the big ones. And right now, one of the biggest ones is the Massachusetts bill going on. Um, So if you, uh, let's see. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, just you know, here's a here's an article from uh, Fast Money that I wasn't going to include, but I'll put this in there. So the legal debate over the gig economy and its workers. Um, when it comes to the gig economy, all eyes will be on Massachusetts over the next several months. A legal debate is underway there as the result of a ballot initiative on how to classify gig workers, and it's possible possibly headed for a vote this fall. The issue is how to categorize gig workers and independent contractors, employees, or agents. Under Massachusetts labor law, this initiative is similar to the recent independent contractor law in California, referring to AB5 and the Prop 22 measures. And it's something that all states are expected to address in the coming years. Here are some of the major takeaways from the decision. So why the categorization categorization matters to the gig economy. Um, At the heart of this legal debate is a rather straightforward question. How should gig workers be categorized? For the most part, companies like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash want their workers categorized as independent contractors rather than employees. Some unions and those on the other side of the debate want, want gig workers categorized as employees of the companies for which they perform services. While a majority of gig workers prefer to maintain their status as independent contractors, the debate over legal definition of work and employment is nothing new. Um, employment law discussions go back for well over a century, guys. Um, but the gig economy is a different beast, in part because of the dependence that exists between workers and the companies for which they operate. It, it blurs the lines between employee and independent contractors is what it does. 
So as the legal debate continues, another important question will be addressed. Can these businesses operate profitably with legal constraints placed on the employee model? So real quickly, what, what do the gig companies want? Okay, what gig companies want? Gig companies like Uber, Lyft have been spending millions of dollars in Massachusetts on an initiative that would categorize their workers as independent contractors in general, such as contractors receive far fewer rights and benefits than employees. Those in favor of this initiative say, say it helps preserve the flexibility of the gig economy for workers and since the companies already categorize these workers as independent contractors, the ballot initiative basically reinforces their legal status. Another part of the debate is that is the economics of the gig economy companies and whether they can oper operate profitably under the employee model. Well, they can't operate profitably under the non-gig uh, under the non-employee model. So again, that's why we need to go back and have that Uber shareholder vote reveal what where really this this money is all going and coming from and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, what they're saying what they want, what's you know been out in California, but here's a difference that's happened out here in California. They they passed AB five, went into law, fought over it, um, were demanded to make payment in February the month. Uh, February 2020, a month after AB5 went into effect, Uber and Lyft said, no, we'll leave the state. They were granted a stay and uh, that they didn't have to obey that law till November when Prop 22 would be voted on. That has been voted on and that is being challenged and all kinds of other things. But here is, because Massachusetts has AB5 type law in it, here is Uber and Lyft and some of the delivery companies starting to get their money together again, like the 200 million or the 208 million that they fought AB5 with to get Prop 22 passed. Instead of that, I think they're hoping on a much lower amount than $208 million having to be spent between all these companies. If they get ahead of an AB5 type law and get the proposition in place first. So, and the one thing I will say to that, that I do really like is that should take away one of the, or I'm sorry, not even one of the biggest problem that AB5 did, which was kill it, real independent contractors. And by, I know that rideshare delivery are independent contractors. However, I'm talking about traditional independent contractors with businesses from 20, 30, 40, 50 years plus, and they can't operate anymore because they can't pass the ABC test. Well, Massachusetts has a form of, of AB5 already in its constitution. So does Colorado. Most states do. It's buried. and But if it's dissected and they want to bring it out, they can, which can enforce some labor laws that we don't really want to see. Um, at least in all the, you know, we can we could argue if it's 85 or 90% of, of gig workers um, would like a um, AB5 type uh, employee model. I think it's more of 90 plus, um, especially with, since so many are part-time, they wouldn't want that, but uh, the flexibility, everything. So I think at least 90 is a fair number. And to say that 90% of people don't want these type legislations who work in this industry says a lot, speaks for itself. I shouldn't have to say a lot more than that. Um, but 
relating to Massachusetts, what the what do the unions want? So what the unions want. On the other side of, of the debate, some labor unions are emphasizing that independent contractors don't receive the same benefits as employees. Well, yeah, of course. With the gig economy growing at a su- substantial rate, in part because of the increased demand for services from the pandemic, some argue that now is the time to categorize gig workers in a fairer manner that provides them better benefits. Um, if the unions get what they want, they'll have effectively grown their market share of workers eligible to be unionized by a larger number than they have ever seen before. Now, that's going. that statement is saying ever before going all the way back to the beginning of unions when a lot of them were for the good. Now, we had, um, when I had John McCallion on, uh, we discussed uh, um, that there are some unions that, uh, you know, need to be there, you know, police, fire, um, probably the teachers, even though it needs like a good house cleaning, I would say. Um, But those are unions that need to be there. But I'm not, in general, I'm not a union fan. You know, I'm not a fan of, especially here in a virtual SaaS space, a software as a service space, where you're opening up an app and getting your jobs. I, I really don't see why you need a union rep and why they could call a strike and why you know I don't see it because here's the bad side of unions. Most of you, I'm sure, know this, but unions don't work for free, guys. And guess what? If it becomes union. You have to pay union dues. You don't have a choice. If this becomes a thing, you're not able to go, hey, I don't want to be part of that union. I'm just going to stay independent. No, 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 no. That's why the unions are pushing so hard, because they want you to have to pay uh, your money. They want to, They want to have your hand in, in your paycheck pocket and be able to pull their huge percentage out of every paycheck before you're allowed to do anything with it. So, um, yeah. If you don't know a lot about unions, go go listen to some of the podcasts that I have with Kim Cavan, Karen Anderson, Gail Gordon, or um, Lisa Rothstein, or watch them on YouTube. I even had one where I did a roundtable with all of them. Check it out. Um, we really get into a lot of the nuts and bolts. So in this, uh, is this the last part here? Yeah. And so in the last part uh, of this is uh, what the gig wor- workers want. Okay. What gig workers want is the right in the is right in the middle of the de, the debate. They enjoy the flexibility and autonomy provided to independent contractors, but want some protections that reflect the nature of their work and the dependence they have on these companies to survive. There are several key factors to watch as this debate plays out. Hours worked. Do hours work? Do hours accumulate only when a driver is making deliveries? or also when they are waiting. So first of all, I'm a little concerned by that question because that we've seen backfire in Prop 22 in California um, only, and again, they're even addressing it that way, um, when a driver is making deliveries. Okay, and it might come down here in a second, but they're only saying delivery drivers. First of all, this should be geared at rideshare drivers, just like the Taxi and Limo Commission uh commission like we've seen up in Seattle and Washington state just happened. It should be more like that. They should not be talking about a prop 22 for delivery drivers because these base pays are low, but that's not the solution. And it ca- it's caused a bigger problem than solutions it's made. Um, 
a guaranteed minimum wage should gig workers be guaranteed a certain amount while performing services. So again, I'll relate to Prop 22. On Prop 22 in California, they call, we all, all of us gig workers call it active time, right? So if you're on a platform for an hour and a half, but you were, you did two orders and it took you a total of an hour to do those two orders out of the 90 minutes, you have a 90 minute time on the app, but you have a 60 minute active time. And that's what they base it on in California. And Prop 22 says that they need to pay you the base pay minus tips needs to be 120% of what minimum wage is in that city to to do this. So um, I don't know. The, I, there's a whole remodel of minimum wage that needs to happen. However, it seems to be being brought into this kind of stuff. And again, independent contractors, guys, I've, I've been one a lot longer than these platforms have been around working for production companies and things like of that nature while doing other things and having the option to be my own boss and do what I want to do. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of that unless, you know, unless I guess again, like Washington state, I like where they're going. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's for the rideshare. So they kind of made it. So if you have a passenger, you would qualify for this, but food won't. Um, but what else are they fighting for? Benefit uh, stipends. So this this is something they will be getting to rideshare drivers in Washington State, and that they are giving to um, to California people. So um, the stipend uh, included such as a uh, healthcare. Um, how much will the stipend be? How much of your healthcare will it cover? Will you have to switch plans? Is this stipend sufficient to cover what it is intended to? Not really, you know? I mean, we've already seen that. Um, however, they're pretty big stipends. I mean, if you just want to have like um, health insurance that really doesn't do anything for you except for catastrophic, you could probably afford that or come very close with the stipend money. So I'm not totally opposed to some stipend. Um, I don't think it should be as high as it is. And I, and if it's going to cause a bunch of things like these platforms having to do the minimum wage, which all that kind of stuff and the stipend, then I'd say get rid of the stipend too, because we all know that with this minimum wage and these prop 22s comes um, a floor payment for your active time, which might sound great to all of you. However, the hustlers out there, the people who listen to this podcast and who um, join me in the lives and stuff, and a lot of the veteran workers, and even you like newbies out there who are just, you know, getting all this down, you will learn that you don't want to cap on your ceiling pay, but there will be. It won't say you can't earn more than this an hour, but you won't because they have to make sure they're covering for the people who are doing the day stuff and just barely taking orders and, and more taking advantage of the Prop 22 type uh, situation. Um, so it, in my opinion, it gets, it gets abused so much that it, there's, it's a, it's a no win. It's a no brainer. It's a no win. We don't want it. Um, so um, areas of responsibility, another thing that gig workers want. So I don't know who these gig workers are. Again, I have a feeling it's like the, like when AB5 became law, it's like the people who were very much for AB5 who want to be employees, but still want the flexibility and all that. And just, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's not, a company needs to make money itself. And I'm not 
fighting for this, these companies because I think in so many ways they're out of line. However, um, you know, it, you know, starting to dictate that you know you want everything as an employee, but you're gonna, but you're gonna have flexible hours and you're gonna tell them what you're gonna do. That kind of, you know, you've kind of just wrecked the, <laughs> the whole idea here. So our gig company is responsible for making sure those performing services receive a living wage, and at the same time that supply reaches the demand of the market. Uh, you know, I I would say that the 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 companies should be better at onboarding. Don't flood the markets too much. They like it oversaturated. Because it's flex time, they don't know exactly when people will work, but they have enough analytics to go back and say, okay, we're usually, this every week we're good on this time, we have this many drivers on the platform. They could start slowly onboarding like Grubhub did in the beginning, like Curry does now, things like that, so that you don't have too many people out there. Um, what I will say, though, is that are they responsible for making sure you're receiving a living wage? No. Because I've worked in bars and restaurants, and those people would never get a living wage off their paycheck. Not a chance. You couldn't even share a house barely if you were just going on the W-2 pay. You have to have tips. So in the rideshare industry, tips are getting a little better, I, I think. That's one thing I would say. But they've kind of they never really existed that much. Cash tips were big when I was you know, in the first three, four years I did rideshare. Um, but also you got to remember that what, what, what is it? Um, 90% or I'm sorry, 87% here it is. 87% of gig workers in the country work less than 20 hours a week on gig platforms. Not just one specific one, but just gig workers work, uh, that little, uh, or work under 20 hours, meaning that they have another job. So no, they already have a job. They know what they need to do to make their living wage. So I would argue that no, you know, you're taking a chance on this, just like taking a shift at a restaurant or a bar. Can you go out there, hustle and earn? If you can't, your market might not be great for that app. Try a different one. If you try that one and it doesn't work, try a different one. If you try them all and you just keep trying and everything's failing, maybe your market is too oversaturated or it's, you know, the population just doesn't match up to the numbers. Who knows? But you got to take in the factor of where you live, um, you know, and what's around you and what's available. If you, if you know, there, we can't just say that, well, I want to make money on this. Well, yeah, of course you do. But we can't want everything and get it, you know. Um, so competition. Will additional constraints on gig companies make it difficult for multiple apps to survive? I don't think so. If you keep talking, the things that we've been talking about, you keep pushing those, it's very simple. They will have a um, um, a non-compete clause. So you will have to pick your poison, pick one app, and uh, and like let's just use rideshare. So I don't have to get into all the different ship, all these different companies. But um, Lyft and Uber. Let's talk about Lyft and Uber. You know, if if they push everything to the T, you know, what could Lyft and Uber say, you know what, you're going to have to be on a non-disclose uh, on a non-compete. Yeah, they could. They could. Um, I know that some people might argue you're an independent contractor. They couldn't. They could because they could They could claim. I mean, we've seen them do worse, claim company secrets, this, that, the other, even though you're not privy to them. They don't want you working bro both platforms because it causes inconsistency. I've seen a lot of language from Uber and Lyft about this, which tells me they're preparing for one heck of a battle on this. Um, but while we wait and see this... Uh, 
you know, we're watching California kind of go upside down with AB with AB five. They here's the bottom line in California, and this is a shout out to all of my repeal AB five people. Repeal AB five now. It has been a career ender, a life destroyer, and unless you were very upper echelon, you did not get a carve out. And if you did an AB two two five seven, it that was a year and a half into it. And then they had so many carve-outs, they literally had to rename the bill because it was so ugly. So, um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you on that one. Uh, but again, these are stories we'll be following. Um, I am, uh, this is about what I can do for today, guys. Uh, my mouth is <laughs> at one side, man. It starts swearing up on me. My jaw gets tight. Um, hopefully it's just recovering. I, I think it is. It's not like pain, pain, but sometimes it hurts. Um but yeah, so uh, make sure that you are checking out all of our platforms. Uh, lots going to be going on on the audio podcast here. So I would just, instead of me trying to lay it all out here right now, I would just say just catch as many, just just keep checking because you're going to see that two, three, maybe four in a week for the next four or five weeks are going to be dropped while I'm playing catch up with some episodes. I just want to get them out to you guys. There's no reason to just, you know, not put them out and... Uh, they were there for like emergency type reasons and I'll have to start creating some more as a, in case there's an emergency situation so that I have something to plug in. Um, that's part of the reason of going through some co-hosts too is that just in case I want to take a vacation or do something that, you know, I've got some people I can turn to um, and have that happen. It, you know, luckily that happened on the YouTube channel and if you guys heard it, I brought over the round table last Friday uh, from the YouTube where when I was really, really hit with COVID and this teeth thing, um, Hannibal Darby, uh, Gary Middleton, uh, John Dash Theory TV, and Kim from Kim's Side Money all took the stage and handled the roundtable without me. They did a great job. And uh, I'm just thankful to have so many great people around me. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, that's we'll be back here next week. Again, it's going to be a night drop. But I will have Lou and Mary, the Long Island Dash experience with me, and uh, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking about a lot and chopping it up. So make sure that you guys join us. And until then, get out there and uh, earn some money, be safe, and make sure you spend some good into this crazy world. We'll see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.